Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And this week we are continuing our month-long deep dive or theme, if you'd like, on augmented reality. And I'm very excited to have a a good friend and a colleague and someone who I've always run into at um, many different events. And we've never really um, had a lot of time to sit down and talk, but lately we have, which is awesome. And that is the fabulous Erin Riley of Riley Works. Let's have a big tech cat hand for Erin Riley, everybody. Such a crazy, crazy studio studio audience. So let me give a little bit of a background on you, Aaron, because um, it's it's kind of fascinating. So most recently, um, Aaron was on the founding team of the University of Southern California's Annenberg Innovation Lab, um, and she was the managing director there. And the Innovation Lab is kind of famous because it brought together media companies, tech companies, creators to really explore what the future of storytelling and content and, you know, all the things swirling around in the space that we so often talk about on this show. And Erin recently left to um, continue doing this kind of work, but in her own company, Riley Works. And she has a lot of interesting things going on um, in this space, but really the merging of physical and digital is is Erin's sweet spot and where she's focusing the next chapter in her professional life. So Erin, uh, give us give us a sense of your background. Like how did you, you get to, you know, um, USC and, and what, what was your background before then? So I think I've always been interested in merging the physical and digital. It started with my career as an entrepreneur when I built Zoe's Room in the late 90s. So I'm showing my age right now. <laughs> and so, and tell us what like, Zoe's Zoe's room was. It was um, it was the first social network for tween girls. Uh, it went from 1998 to about 2010, um, and it combined it was combined with a licensed after school program that I licensed to the YWCA's. So again, right from the beginning, it was like this physical after school program to bring girls together to creatively engage in science, technology, engineering, and math. But they interacted in a social network with my animated character Zoe and her friends. Um, and it was pre Friendster, so we're talking like early days of chatting and building like video online. <laughs> oh, fun. Um, <laughs> Just the pre Friendster. The pre-Friendster is definitely the dating part, but it, it's okay. <laughs> so you were, so you were from day one. You were involved in the in this kind of world. Yes, yeah. I mean, from there, I went on and I built uh, Xtreme, which was this. Um, I was really into physical activity. It's kind of coming full circle, and I built this device, this wearable that how physically active you were in your day-to-day life powered your online character. And that was 2003. So I've been trying over and over again, always probably five to 10 years too early to get to blending the physical and digital. So I finally moved into, um, into academia in um, about 10 years ago, um, running a research lab under Henry Jenkins at MIT and then following them out here to USC to help found the Annenberg Innovation Lab, um, where we were able to really experiment with storytelling, engagement, and emerging technology and kind of be on the cutting edge and help industry really think through uh, where 
trends are going and, and even prototyping some, some developments in that space. And Henry Henry Jenkins was also famous um, in this space. Um, even me, when I was on the agency side, um, we loved his book. What was the name of the book that he wrote, the kind of famous book? Culture. It's like the Bible for all of us. Right. Yeah, right. He, he coined the term transmedia storytelling, like building off Marsha Kinder's work, um, yeah. which was transmedia. She came up with the word transmedia talking about kids in play. So, so and yeah, he, and we I, extended it was crazy. It. And so what's so funny about that is, uh, I mean, it's not funny, but I was at an ad agency running a media group and a media lab, and we were huge fans of Henry Jenkins, but we were not academic at all. And um, in <laughs> fact, if you if you talked about academia, the agency and brands would just kind of like roll their eyes in back of their heads. So we had to interpret the information in a way that made sense to everybody. But it was really coming from all of that same ideology, you know, that that everything was converging, that tech and storytelling and platforms were sort of the the future, the future of everything. And so that that led you to USC and you were there for a while, right? Yeah, I was there. I was there for eight years. And um, from the very beginning of launching the Annenberg Innovation Lab and really got to help design the strategy that brought in a lot of, I would say, about eight to 10 different sponsors a year to really think about the future of media and entertainment. It was an amazing time. It was a wonderful time under um, John Taplin, who's like a Hollywood legend. (laughs) And Jonathan is another person who writes books and is well known and is often quoted from. um, So you you really have had the opportunity to work with some really big thought leaders and and obviously become one yourself. When you were were at at the lab and you were working with these large sponsors and they were mostly, were they media companies or, or were they Brand, packaged goods brands, or who who was the type of uh, of sponsors that you had? You know, it really varied. It was from Havas Media has been a longtime sponsor. IBM has been a longtime sponsor. We had DirecTV. We had um, Spark Forty Four, which was kind of the um, marketing company for Jaguar, um, to Disney and uh, Mattel, um, to you know, uh, Warner Brothers. So really the gamut of thinking about uh, media and entertainment largely from the hardware to software to storytelling, content engagement side. So, so exciting. And then what made you decide to, to leave your post? Um, so the Annenberg Innovation Lab's going through has gone through a change. Um, John retired, and um, a new executive director came in, uh, who is focused more on civic engagement and policy. Um, think through emerging tech, and it was kind of moving away from the media and entertainment space. And I wanted to stay in that, and wanted to reconnect with my roots of like I was following the augmented reality, the virtual reality space. We were doing some prototyping at the end of my um, time there, really kind of tinkering with tangible storytelling and thought it was the perfect time to be like, wow, I'm, I'm not a traditional academic. I'm very much a hands-on practitioner. How can I actually, and I helped start a lot of the entrepreneurial efforts at USC with the Blackstone Charitable Foundation funded the Blackstone Launchpad, which was a USC-wide initiative that I was the founding executive director of. And so I was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I've been mentoring all these students and startups. Might as well start one myself. And it, it takes a certain kind of personality and I think perseverance to 
to leave a gig and to go off and say, okay, I'm going to make stuff myself, right? Um, was it something you were contemplating for a long time? Well, I mean, I started my career as an entrepreneur and, um, and, then, and then ended up in academia. So I've always felt like an edge dweller, someone who can really move between those two spaces easily. Um, people consider me a translator, someone that talks very practically and can understand how to get something built and done. Um, so I wasn't really afraid to start it. And I felt like I could really finally had the network um, from working with so many different contacts over the years. Um, through the innovation lab to be able to leverage that and um, start thinking about exploring my own products. And some of the stuff that I was doing at the lab is now being applied at Riley Works. So like um, one of my uh, own IPs that uh, Shane Riley, my husband and I developed, which is called Winklebeads, we, we prototyped some ideas in 2013 on tangible storytelling, taking his little wooden monster toy and putting sensors into it and making it kind of dynamic AI-driven storytelling. And it was too early then, but now it's like, oh, wait, there's possibilities here in, in that. So let's hold on to that IP and see where we can take it as we start developing into a fidget, we call it a fidgetal company, blending the physical and digital and really f- focusing on uh, on on families, you know, we, digital families is not going away, and you know, our our kind of adaptation to connecting to the mobile device is is evolving. It's not just the object in hand right now. It's really becoming kind of these screenless interactions. And so, how do we actually re- get into that space early and start developing some platforms that can be used for multiple developers, be able to be licensed and taken up? Um, in order to have these new types of storytelling opportunities take shape. And um, did you, I'm just, this is just me being curious, but did you meet your husband doing this kind of work or is it just a coincidence that he's an inventor and a toy, toy maker or what, did you guys meet professionally exploring all of this together? We met in film school uh, 20 years ago at the main media workshops, which is, which a lot of LA people know because it's the place to go in the summertime to, you know, get away from LA when it's really hot here. It's cool in Maine. And, <laughs> um, and we, we met there and uh, he's in, he's all, he's on set today as a gaffer. So it's kind of like, it's just kind of our our home is a storytelling evolving door, <laughs> right? Like like uh, all sorts of different things to just get stories stories made. Whatever you have to do to get the job done, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like I love it because we come, we have very different heads. You know, like he's very much a behind the scenes production guy who tinkers and builds things and can put you know make a, make light make you know make anything. And I'm like more thinking about the future of, oh, let's hack that. Oh, how can we make these two work together and kind of connecting different pieces that are part of our industry that maybe people haven't thought about how, how they should work together. And we're going to take a break in a moment, but before we jump in, I wanted you to talk a little bit, or at least define in a moment, just what Riley Works is focused on, because we've been talking about virtual reality on and off for the last year, not even on purpose, it just came up a lot. And I wanted to focus on augmented reality, and we had a great conversation with Charlie Fink last week, um, who's become a, a contributor to Forbes specifically around VR and AR, but we talked a lot about how AR has all this great potential in business and in life, you know, um, Mm -hmm. where you can put on, you can use some sort of camera and have some sort of 
uh, digital content presented to you in in a way that adds to the story. But you're looking at it through Riley Works in an in an even more robust way. Can you kind of explain your sort of threesome, your your three to, three two one punch on this? Yeah. So. Um... Our approach with Riley Works combines three elements, story, augmented reality, and smart objects to create experiences where people play together. So augmented reality by itself, there's been a lot of great moves in object recognition, but I feel like also it's still a little clumsy. And how can we actually um, make AR part of a larger ecosystem where it interacts with Internet of Things? in order to allow for individual people to have individual roles and experiences. Um, and that's why we focus on families. We focus on families to get them to play together and to foster intergenerational fun. And our first product is really demoing that. We've built a product called CARPE, which is a it's actually an acronym. It's, even though you know what CARPE is, like seize the play, right? But it's, it's a collaborative augmented reality digital Oh, I, I love that. All right, we're going to we're going to take a break and come back and carpe that DM in a moment. So we're talking to the fabulous Erin Riley of Riley Works who's really um, laying down the law on the future of more augmented reality and smart objects. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we're back, and we've been talking to the fabulous Erin Riley of Riley Works. And Erin sits with me on the executive committee of the TV Academy's interactive peer group, media peer group. And that is really all about looking at what is the future of interactivity um, in television or content in general. And so Erin's really been a futurist for a long time and an entrepreneur and really digging right now into the world of digital, which is products that can combine the physical world and the digital world. So can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of the trends happening in AR and in this digital world? Sure, sure. So, I mean, you can go back to Pokemon Go, which was like this huge explosion for AR to finally get its heyday. And it, and AR and VR both are really natural for game, gameplay, and you're seeing it in every type of conference. People are starting to highlight it. 
But um, I feel like by itself, AR has some real limitations. Um, even though we're really advancing object recognition and being able to like have your favorite character sit on the chair next to you and have a conversation, um, it, you, you have to always hold the phone in front of you. And so there's a little bit of clumsiness. And when you think about kids, that kind of clumsiness of always having to have that screen in between your interaction can, can be disjointed. It's not putting humans at the center. Um, and so, like, things that I look for when I'm designing uh, AR experiences is you, you have to start with meaningful content. And I think that's why Pokemon Go was such, such a success. If you know the history of that, um, it was built on Ingress, which a lot of us played. This built this whole entire kind of AR game, collaborative social game, where you'd kind of take on different locations. And it built the database that Pokemon Go was then layered on top of. And that was a recognized brand. So that was important. But then you need interaction between the virtual and physical environment. And this character was not done as well, right? Because if you remember, the AR overlaid with your camera, it would drain the battery. So how many people really actually used that over time? They kind of just played it on their game and on occasion would put the AR on so they could take a picture of Pokemon on your sister's head. But it was not a key feature because of like the draining of the battery. So I always think about like, well, how can we actually fix that so that the virtual and physical environment interaction is really working and it's not a nice to have, but it's a must. And then you want to think about the unique value that goes beyond what other screens offer. Um, and that, that was a success with Pokemon Go because they really focused on location. And you can think about the value beyond what other screens offer and other more recent uh, interactions such as uh, Merge Cube. Have you, have, have you heard of the Merge Cube, Lori? Yeah, I played with it at, uh, I think, Seagraph, um, yeah, so right? It was like a spinning cube, and it was a toy, and there were different AR things on each of the sides of the cube, kind of. Yeah, that right? and that's all object recognition. It's a nice, soft, squishy tube. It's a good, easy to handle. Um, and, and, and there's some good things, and then there's some bad things, you know, like, uh, layering games that already exist in other platforms and not really doing anything new and unique with them, to me, that's kind of a fail. But, uh, but I like what Mighty Coconut did with the Merge Cube with 57 Degrees North, where they actually put a story in it and they changed that cube into tangible storytelling. So you have to hold, still hold the phone and hold the cube, which I think is a problem. But as we get to AR headsets, I don't think that will be as much of a problem. And wait, and wait you just a- um, you just named two two neat companies that have really unusual names. So can you say them again and tell us what they do? Um, yeah, sure. So Mighty Coconut, have you heard of them? No, but it sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> They're based in Austin, and they are an animation uh, creative content company that's getting into this space. Um, and I believe they partnered with Merge Labs to develop some content for them on their Merge Cube. Um, and it, and their, um, their story was 57 Degrees North, uh, which is an interesting, uh, tangible storytelling example of you step into the cube and it's a choose your own adventure of moving the cube le- up, down, left, right to choose the direction of the two main characters' story and plot line. Um, and I, I think that's interesting. I think that's a neat way of like actually making the object in hand um, serve a purpose beyond just kind of layering something on it to look at as more of a passive approach to storytelling. God, I, I, lo- I love it so much. And do you see, do you see that at some point 
there will be headsets for everyone like that because I know the VR, the VR headsets, you know, they're pretty cumbersome. I know the new ones are coming out that will be more, more um, affordable for everybody and will have the same power as the ones that were tethered to processors. But will AR glasses take a different turn? You know, will they be lighter and easier to, to use, you think? Um, I'm hoping for, I'm, I'm definitely more into AR than VR because I think it is a democratizing voice. It allows for anyone to be able to do it because the cost will be lower in my opinion. And eventually we'll get to glasses like Intel is working on smart glasses right now that look like the glasses I'm wearing on my face. Um, and everyone has doubled down on Magic Leap, which you have this kind of like you have like this kind of disc computer that you hold in your pocket and you carry it around with you to really have that high end augmented reality. I mean, but I, I don't think for like the general, um, that's great for gamers. Uh, but for the general lay person, you know, mainstream, I'm seeing a lot of more affordable AR glasses starting to be developed. Uh, one of my friends uh, is working, just, just kind of finished his Kickstarter campaign to do an augmented reality headset. And I know that um, Ben and Matt, who are USC alumni, they started um, Mira Labs and they launched the Prism in December, which is $99. And that's an affordable AR headset. So it's definitely becoming... As AR headsets become more prevalent, it, AR is definitely being positioned to become a daily reality for the mainstream consumer. And even the market forecast is predicting like 1 billion users, 60 billion in revenue by 2021. My only problem with it, though, is um, I don't think until we get to the Intel like smart glasses will everyone wear it so that you have this like always layering kind of a new storytelling on our everyday lives or retail and AR coming into play. I don't think we, if you were, if you were a Google, I don't know if you were in Google early um, Google glass explorer, but I was, and we were called glass holes. <laughs> there was a yes. Yes. I remember I had, like I had one. It's sitting in my yeah. drawer now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's on my tech shelf, you know, all the te- tech that we've all tried out and <laughs> Yeah, so I have a big I have a big room of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know that that I think we got to be careful with is like the AR VR. They're going to serve a purpose. They're going to be great for entertainment. There, there's also a lot of other opportunities that it's being used for in the workforce, for example. But um, we'll see as kind of it becomes less and less like, hey, you're wearing some crazy thing on your head for it to become really kind of a, a daily occurrence. And you were talking about um, when I um, outroed us about Carpe, which is your first digital, um, digital product, and it's going to have its own SDK. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So um, our goal is to build uh, – Carpe is being built as a platform, and it is a combination of – a mobile AR application with a software development kit that will work with our hardware. And the hardware, it allows for, we're kind of thinking of, um, of three elements to this. One is, is you've got a smart kit, which in this case, uh, for our demo we're doing in March is smart, smart disks. And they have like LEDs and an accelerometer. 
And those connect with Bluetooth sensors. And the reason why we have two different hardwares at play is because one is like these rings, which we think of like a new type of physical Minecraft toolkit. That's how we're kind of keep on imagining the smart kit. It's like these objects, rings, discs, blocks that can be remixed, repurposed, and reused. They can be reskinned for any brand or IP. And then the Bluetooth sensors is a chance for us to really address a design question of uh, right now when you use AR or VR, it's very much individual play. Everyone needs a mobile device. Everyone needs a headset. And then you get into the digital world to play and socialize together. Um, But it's not taking into account that, yes, by eight years old, most likely a child has a phone, um, but it's often a hand-me-down. And so the AR VR that's being developed now is very much on uh, on high-end phones that maybe there's only one in the family. So our design question with these Bluetooth sensors was, well, how can we actually create in a social collaborative experience where not everyone needs a mobile device. And that's where these sensors came into play because we created individual play pieces that allows for each player to be individually recognized in the experience. And that's another thing that AR with object recognition doesn't do. AR object recognition, if you get in front of it, you lose it, you know, you don't, you, you have to have a phone, and we wanted to be able to let kids run around and play and not lose the AR that is the one role of the person kind of using or recording and having a different type of role. We call it the captain or, you know, some, role, some leadership role that you can then switch roles and play around. And the software development kit, this is answering a question that mobile app developers have told us is hard to do, and that's AR's interaction with Internet of Things hardware. So we wanted to push beyond AR applications with object recognition and capture that aspect specifically. And, uh, and I, I, lo- I love that because you're thinking about you're thinking about people making stuff with your kit, which is really smart. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we we're, we just built a demo, and we're going to test it uh, March 17th. The Autry Museum of the West at Griffith Park has uh, offered us their South Lawn on March 17th. We're going to hold two playtest sessions, and people can come test our mini game, which is a kind of combination of uh, Simon Says directed by the mobile app uh, meets Whack-A-Mole controlled by the... <laughs> by the smart rings all <laughs> in a Pokemon Go AR type world. Well, I love that. Um, and, and how cool that you're launching it at such an, an interesting um, museum place. And the thing is the physical environment is really important in AR. It's not like sitting down in a dark room in a chair with a VR headset. The physical space is part of the storytelling, right? Yes, definitely. And we wanted to, you know, we, get, we hear a lot from families of, um, when they want to get their kids outside, the screens are left behind. But that's not taking into account that we're digital families. And you just have to go to a park and you see all the parents on their phones kind of edging the park as the kids play. And then the kids wanting to know if they've run, run enough so that they can get on their phone again. So we wanted to really rethink, like, well, how can we actually um, – embrace this and also think about accessibility with only one mobile device and how can we actually allow for intergenerational play where grandparents that go to the park or parents or kids can all come together and uh, have different roles. 
And how do we customize it? So like here we are, we're thinking about a simple game in the park, but we also think about, well, this is just a mini game, but how could we do it with an immersive story world and take it into other places beyond a park? Well, I love that you're thinking so much about the family, too. All right, well, we have to take a break. We've been chatting it up with Erin Riley of Riley Works, um, sort of looking at another uh, another perspective of augmented reality and how it will infuse um, not only the physical space that you're in, but new technology to storytell and how we can get families engaged in that. And we're going to come back and talk about some more trends in augmented reality with the fabulous Erin Riley. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Now we're back with uh, talking with Erin Riley from Riley Works. And Erin is um, a former researcher, academic, um, who was based at USC in their innovation lab, in their Annenberg Innovation Lab. And so Erin um, has a really a deep, deep background in um, working with different brands and working with content creators and new tech companies. And so my question to you is why AR now? Like, why is it finally, why are we finally talking about it? I mean, last year was the year of VR, which, you know, in some respects was really annoying <laughs> because everyone I knew was like, VR, 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 you know, and, um, and I was like, come on, you know, let's stay grounded here in reality, in regular reality. But AR to me seems much more interesting and realer. So what are your thoughts on why now on AR? Oh, gosh, I, I think AR, I'm right there with you. I think I love VR, but um, AR to me is literally creating kind of a, a read-write city. It's allowing us to layer all new information out into our physical space. Um, and, I, and I think it can encourage civic engagement. It can be a democratizing voice. It can really allow for voices that aren't heard. And it can change, you know, a lot of the ways we, we work. And, you know, when we, when I, when we were at MIT, uh, Henry Jenkins used to always say that, um, that the research labs that we were running was really helping to prepare the students for, work, for jobs that don't exist yet. And I think I've always kept that in mind as I think, as I look at emerging media is how are these going to shape and change and develop, uh, change the workforce and how 
are we going to help create new skills using these new new forms of media and storytelling? And you're already seeing it with AR, um, like from a disaster relief perspective. You know, imagine being able to um, to see, you know, if an earthquake happens, see things um, by looking through your glasses of areas that need to be fixed. Uh, from red to yellow, so like from like really important, let's get that fixed right now to yellow and kind of create like a broader scan. And, um, you know, we've seen VR with surgeons in healthcare, but what I think is interesting with the possibilities of the future successes of surgery is it will really change the way we think about healthcare. Um, It'll make it possible to really conduct more complex surgeries in a test environment using AR and without the real risk on actual patients. And I'm always following the health um, care field because my grandfather was a doctor and he always was like, see one, do one, teach one is the norm for surgeons. And it's like, now it's see one, augment one, do one, (laughs) teach one, you know, and we've created this additional layer into that kind of rule book for, for surgeons. Um, and then um, if you look at, you know, a lot of utility, new skills on the workforce, uh, really being able to cut down um, how much time it takes to train someone if they have augmented reality glasses that are kind of guiding them through the process of, you know, putting let's say they're an air conditioning repair company and it's very much like learning kind of the technology of how to fix those machines, especially large scale, big corporations that, you know, if you have a new person on the job that can take weeks to, for the training and making sure it's accurate and everything. But with the glasses, they would always have kind of like a guide on the side right there with them, mentoring them, making sure that they're um, hitting the same spots. And then I think about retail, right? Um, I, I see it as like eventually, <laughs> I don't know if you've watched um, the recent Netflix series, Altered Carbon. Did you watch that? Um, no, I saw, the, I saw the write-up for it and I, it looked like something I would be into. Okay, you have to watch it. it. And it was a whole book series before and I'm such a sci-fi junkie. But the just reason why I'm bringing this up is because the main character, Takeshi Kovacs, he, right at the beginning, when he um, comes on, like, say, on with, on with his new skin, he turns <laughs> on the broadcast because the AR is just completely, like, bombarding him with information. And so, you know, right now, I think retail is thinking, oh, how can people walking down the street, I can actually, if they have glasses on, I can personalize, you know, you know, what's the latest or things that they're going to like and make them walk into my store. And that could be like Takeshi and, and Altered Carbon, like, oh my gosh, this is way too much information and I need to turn it on. But I think it's getting to the point of thinking about, okay, maybe not total overload, but how can we actually quietly <laughs> use AR to allow shoppers to envision a particular item in one's home, you know, or to use it sparingly, um, but effectively to personalize the experience. God, I saw a clip from Ready Player One. Um, have yeah. you seen any, any trailers from that yet? Oh, yeah. I've, I've read the book. Oh, yeah. The, the trailers from the movie are a mind blow. And you're going to see a lot of these different worlds that we're talking about, you know, played out so well in Spielbergian manner. Um, but, but do you think when do you think the first like truly consumer centric products will come out there so that not only 
those of us who are total uh, new media, emerging media, technology freakazoids talk about it. But when will, you know, Joe Schmo in Montana be be playing with AR? Like, is it coming really quickly? Is it going to happen really soon? Um, I think in a, in a sense it's already here. I feel like last quarter um, uh, when Google and Apple and Facebook all doubled down on AR, it's starting to be moved into the mainstream. Um, and you just have to look at like um, the recent kids screen or the toy or the toy fair that just finished uh, that AR is definitely um, being targeted to the kids market for sure. Because it's, it's easy. It's a natural fit for, for gaming and storytelling. I mean, you've seen it with the merge, right? And you've also seen it with Hasbro uh, came out with um, the Marvel Avengers Infinity War. It's a Hero Vision Iron Man AR experience, um, which is kind of cool. You, you know, instead of having like a traditional AR headset, you get the Iron Man helmet and you put your phone in the headset and you get to hold like kind of these controllers and an infinity stone. So they even give you hand controllers. Uh, to me, it's still very much solo play and it requires, it's very, uh, it's not a high, it's a high barrier to enter. I always think about, is it a low barrier? Is it accessible for all? Or is it high? Is it expensive? Is it expensive? Does it require a lot more than what you're offering? And these are, these are things for, you know, middle to upper class kids will be able to purchase <laughs> and be able to use, but it's, it's getting there, right? It's definitely Legos AR studio probably is a little bit less on. It's definitely um, down on the, you know, not as expensive and it allows for um, kids to kind of see some of their, their, the AR um, big creations. Um, They can kind of, I think it's like these big Lego sets that are really popular they now get kind of like this AR version that they can mix with their physical ones. So it's like, it's kind of layering AR onto the building sets that you're already building in your bedroom, but they're not interacting yet together. That's what I feel like it's missing. It's like, I wish Lego had combined the AR with actually some of their kind of smart Lego objects like we're doing with Carpe. And then, then you'd get some interaction that I think is still not there. God, I, I, of course, into digital. <laughs> right, right. Well, like, my, and I think quickly... like, when I, well, I think about how my daughter so quickly um, adjusted to uh, holding her um, iPad over the Barbie coloring book to see yeah. the Barbie, the outfit she had colored in come alive um, for her on the iPad and it, it didn't take any explaining. You know, all I had right. to do was just show her once how you launch the app and you aim it over the book and then it happened and she just got it right away. And so it almost seems like the younger brains can grasp all of this and then the expectation is set that this will be the very world we're living in all the time. Yeah, remember like uh 10 years ago when my son was young, he would literally touch the TV screen, right? And it would be like, well, why is this not touchable, the TV screen? It would all laugh. And 2012, we were doing some testing with augmented reality and trading cards. And um, the one thing we learned in that play test was kids, parents had told kids they need to leave the tablet on the, on the table to not break it. So they, it was really a force to be like, hey, you can pick it up and put the put the trading card underneath and play with it. And they were like, really, I can. And now that's, what is that like less than five years? And we already are at an, 
at a new point where parents are less concerned about leaving it on the table and they're like, yes, this is mobile. And so mobile is not just the object in hand, but the actions that we do with it. And that's what's great about finally being able to like move through our physical environment with this mobile device that's actionable and not just the object. Uh, and before we take a break, I'd love to hear from you, um, you know, maybe just um, what what are, are there any books that you're reading right now or have you moved past books and is it all um, fizzy, fizz, fidgetal content that you're consuming? <laughs> uh, no, I, um, I, I'm totally a uh, sci-fi junkie and I read with my 14-year-old, so we always get together and read books. Um, right now, we're all the whole family's reading *A Wrinkle in Time* to get ready to watch the movie. Oh, I love that! I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, we I, always I, want to read the books before we go see the movies, and we kind of do it as a whole family. Um, so th- those are my fun books. But the other books I'm reading right now is um, I'm writing. Um, I'm helping to develop a master's in media innovation curriculum for West Virginia University, and so I'm doing a whole course on um, ethics and, and algorithms <laughs> Ooh, <cool. laughs> and AI. You're so geek. You're such a, a geek. World. You're, you're such a geek. And I, um, I, I just love that about you because there just are not enough of us. <laughs> they're, know, they're not I enough know. of us uh, girl geeks um, who are, who are out there doing the thing. And do you have people from other industries calling you for advice? Like, you know, people in medical or people in manufacturing who want to really understand the potential? Um, not, not really. No. I mean, I've, I'm always open to it for sure. I, I, when I run across people, like I, I met two physicians at a party and they were asking me all these questions. Um, so informally, yes, uh, formally, no, but I'm totally open to it. I'm, I mean, I'm sure uh, when all I'm of this always looking for consulting work. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. And also when all of this st- stuff starts to really launch and heat up, people are going to be um, looking, looking for people that, you know, know what they're doing. Um, and especially yeah. someone who's creating products, but who also, you know, has a strong base in academia. So it's not just, um, you, you, you know, you pulling a, an idea out of the hat, you know, there's real, there's real research and data backing up the decisions that you're making in terms of product manufacturing. Yeah, which, definitely, which is what, definitely. Which is what, yeah, I, that's why how we designed Carpe, like, I'm very much uh, user experience focused first, you know, and really thinking about human computer interaction and really posing questions of like, what are we not addressing? So like, when we came to AR, our question was, well, how do we do AR with one mobile device and many people, you know, because that's the question that I don't know if people have really grappled with yet. And we wanted to address that. And that pushed us towards, oh, well, we should merge AR and smart objects and give everyone a different individualized role and identity. And then we're starting to create some really interesting conversations about what does collaborative play look like? Oh, my God. Um <laughs> All right. Well, we have to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to dig. I want to dig a little bit more into how people can find out about the things you're doing and get more involved. And especially, you know, I am a mom with an eight year old, so I want to find out more about the toys that you recommend. So we're going to be back in a moment with the fabulous Erin Riley of Riley Works, who I am dubbing the goddess of smart objects. And um, 
<laughs> and augmented reality. Um, so we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show, getting more insights on the future of this emerging trend. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. We're back chatting it up with Erin Riley, who I have dubbed the smart object AR goddess. And Erin, if, if somebody wanted to dig more into AR, do you have any like influencers or websites or anything that you would recommend that they follow or read? Is, is there enough people out there publishing good stuff to, so that a beginner can jump in? Um, well, I'm a big proponent for women in the space. So one of my favorite Facebook groups is women in AR VR. Um, a lot of them are posting jobs to, uh, their latest projects they're working on to even has new newbies coming in asking like, how do I get started? And there's, it's such a great, uh, group that, you know, people more experienced automatically. I just saw that yesterday, a newbie came in and like, 
within 20 minutes, you know, there were 15 threats, 15 different comments of like, go check here, start here. This is what you should look at. And that was just fabulous to see. And then I, I'm big into children's media. So I, I follow David Kleeman's children and media professionals group, which is not so much marketing and promoting, but really kind of asking these bigger questions of like, how do we, how to really, really strengthen um, play and learning for kids and family. Um, so those are my two favorite ones. And then there's tons of websites out there. Um, uh, prototype R.io. It's about designing for mixed reality. They, that's a interesting one. They, they do a lot of best practices and they're starting to really talk a lot about, um, physical and digital combinations. Uh, I'm, I suck up TechCrunch, you know, like, like every day and awesomeness TV and, because it's kids and in gadget because I like I like tech. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It, it just varies, right? I, I I start my morning. I every morning I go work out and then I literally I, I drink my coffee and read and just absorb kind of our field, and then I don't really get to work until ten a.m. I mean, I probably am working, but it's really someone taught me a long time ago that first start your day every day knowing your field, and so that's what I do. God, I love that. I ask that question all the time. Are you someone that picks a a specific time to absorb the information? And I would say that the most successful people I know are the ones that do it first thing in the morning, spend about an hour reading and absorbing and just being aware of everything that's going on before they jump into email and everything else. And I, I have tried to do that, but of course, then I get distracted. But I think it's really setting a good business example so that when you walk into a room, you can share what you know. You know, you're the person that, that knows everything. Yeah, and people tell me now I should, you know, they're like, okay, you, you, you absorb so much. And when we sit and talk to you, you've got a lot of information. Why don't you write that down? Like everyone tells me to do that. Why are you <laughs> writing this more? Um, and it's like, should I start a blog post? So I do it on occasion. I post on Medium. You know, when I've, when I've gathered enough information, I write something big and it will be on Medium. <laughs> And, and you, um, I know you were, when we were talking about this too, because you have such a wide network from your Annenberg days and you're keeping in touch with a lot of people and purposely setting up meetings and picking their brain and talking about like what the future of all this is going to be. Yeah. Is that yeah, something you would recommend people do, like reaching out to their network and having in, impromptu meetings to just dive into things? Yeah, I feel like since I'm not holding, uh, you know, weekly research groups meeting, being that's what we used to do at the lab, would hold weekly research groups and they'd be open and you'd have 20 to 30 people sitting around talking about these ideas. And without that, I'm really making an effort to, you know, pick one to two people a month and meet over hangout or phone or lunch and, and just discuss big ideas. Like, you know, whether they're making something or whether they've written it or whether, you know, you both were at a party and, and kind of realized there was some sort of like connection on a similar interest. It's just a great way to kind of broaden your network. Yeah, I, I love that idea too. Um, and, and again, you're operationalizing how to, to, uh, to move through the space. So where can we find out more about Carpe and the other projects that you're working on? Yeah, so um, I just launched RileyWorks.com. Um, so you can sign up for my mailing list right on the homepage. And um, the Carpe, uh, our first play test is going to be on March 17th. There's going to be two sessions. 
at 10.30 a.m. and at 1.30 p.m. It's open to the public. All are welcome. We, we say that the, it's intergenerational, so, you know, from, you know, 8 to 80, and you can bring younger kids. We can try it with younger kids and see if it works. <laughs> <It's just laughs> like um, and we have registration open at Eventbrite. So go to carpelosangeles.eventbrite.com. And uh, I hope to see you there because I'm looking forward to a big crowd that day to give give us tons of feedback. And and you mentioned your husband has these really cool toys as well. Where where can we find out more about them? Yeah, Winklebeans. Um, you can go to winklebean.com and uh, that we sell currently. We sell the wooden blocks. They were um, sold out at the 2000 last year's designer con. Um, that's held in Pasadena every year, and we're getting ready. We're putting together our content Bible to start pitching it as a as, as a transmedia story world, and and kind of thinking this is kind of one of our big plays is to we build out this a Carpe platform and software development kit uh, to show it as an example of how it's not just for gaming, but it's also for you know interactive immersive story experiences. God, you just, I just saw in my head, because my daughter is obsessed with My Little Pony, and she got for the holidays, you know, a big piece of plastic castle with the dolls, and now I can just imagine that being all AR, and there not being any, like, physical dolls anymore, but it all being objects that she plays with, you know, in, in some sort of virtual world. You know? Exactly. And imagine that you put one of my uh, sensors in the pony. And so therefore, you've got a, per- a controller in your hand to change that augmented reality world. God, that is so crazy. All right, well, we have to wrap That's up the show, but um, <laughs> but uh, we've been we've been having a great conversation with Erin Riley on the future of augmented reality, but a different spin on it, sort of how it will become uh, something uh, to bring families to get together, another content opportunity, especially in the in the toy space, and then a good strategy for how to grow out a platform by getting out an SDK kit and by digging into it that way. So I, I love all of that. So check out Riley Works and find out more about the launch of Carpe. And we'll have um, we'll look forward to learning more about what Aaron Riley at Riley Works is up to. Thank you so much, Aaron. Oh, thanks, Lori. It's been great talking with you. It's been so um, augmenting, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are so many. World. Yeah, there's so many AR jokes you could come up with really right now. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's, it's been great great talking to you. And also check out, if you're really interested on the Facebook group that Aaron mentioned, um, it's uh, AR and VR, women in AR and VR. Um, you can um, ask to join um, if you're a professional in the space, and that's a great way to find out what's going on. So this has been Lori H. Schwartz, your Tech Cat on the Tech Cat Show, chatting with Aaron Riley, continuing our deep dive into a month-long series on augmented reality and we'll see you next week with another great speaker when we dig more into more um, opportunities in the AR space bye everybody thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4pm Eastern Time 1pm Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel 